0: Jeff Carlisle, Friday, the U.S. women's national team plays its first group stage game at the World Cup against Vietnam as the Women's World Cup is getting underway. And American dominance at the Women's World Cup is something we have grown accustomed to. Four-time champions seeking their third consecutive World Cup championship. Is this iteration of the U.S. team capable of giving us the 3 Pete? I think so. Here's an opportunity for Alex Morgan. as the US, look for a second. And she isn't gonna miss from there. And just before the hour mark, it becomes a little more comfortable for the United States.
1: The US always goes into a tournament feeling like they're the team to beat. Lynn Williams giving chase as the ball
0: comes in for the ball.
1: There's a swagger and a confidence that that gets passed down from generation to generation. And I think that that swagger and confidence is still there. You know, there's 14 players on the roster that have never played in the World Cup before. And I think some of the young players, the quality and, and talent that they've shown is reason to have a lot of confidence. For the holdovers, they'll be even more motivated to make a statement at this World Cup because certainly the Olympic performance was below the U.S. team's usual standards. That's not to say it's going to be easy. The U.S. does have some questions in certain parts of the field. And even though the U.S. has got some injury issues as well, I still think the U.S. is a team to beat. And the U.S. women's
0: national team is the only national team In the game, men's or women's, where anything less than winning it all at the World Cup is deemed failure, by definition.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy standard. You think of teams around the world, like some of the biggest club teams, and on the men's side, like a national team like Brazil, you know, they're expected to win. But with the U.S. women, the expectations are are even higher. If they don't make the final, it's like, what happened? Kate Markgraff, the GM, you know, she, she says it's not only just the, the team performance, but they're aware that they are going to be role models. There's always more than just the game when it comes to the U.S. women's national team, whether it's social justice stuff, equal pay last time, and trying to be an inspiration to a new generation of, of young fans. They keep meeting those demands. They, they keep meeting those expectations. And uh, it's really it's really quite impressive when you think about it.
0: The 2023 Women's World Cup kicks off this week in Australia and New Zealand. And while the time zone difference may make for some late nights or early mornings for American fans, it will be worth it for the chance to see the U.S. women make their latest bid for history. No team, men's or women's, has ever won three consecutive World Cups. And for this edition of Team USA, there is both the pressure that comes from trying to achieve what has never been achieved and the pressure that the USWNT always feels to dominate, to win it all, when anything less is deemed failure. So today, ESPN soccer writer Jeff Carlisle tells us what the U.S. needs to do to 3 p and who could pose the biggest threat to deny them their chance at soccer immortality. I'm Jeremy Schaaf. It's Monday, July 17th. This is
2: ESPN Daily. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part?
0: So, Jeff, there are some famous names that are returning, you know, some legends of U.S. soccer, among them Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, Crystal Dunn. But this is not the same national team that we were paying such close attention to a couple of years ago in Tokyo, or four years ago when they won the World Cup the last time it was contested. Tell us about some of those new
1: faces. Well, I think Sophia Smith is really one of the players to watch. She's an attacking player, uh, can play on the wing or centrally, and she's playing with just a ton of confidence at the moment.
2: Sophia Smith, goals in three regular season games running. Every defense's biggest terror. Oh, she's done it again! So.
1: She's the reigning NWSL MVP. She led the Portland Thorns to the NWSL title last year. Has continued that incredible form into this season.
2: Smith, that bounce timely. Sophia Smith! Oh, incredible! Take a bow, Sophia Smith!
1: I mean, she's currently the league's top scorer. Here we go. Smith. Smith!
2: Patrick!
1: see where she's deployed on this team. Trinity Rodman who's another impressive young player came in and you saw some interchange where Rodman and Sophia Smith were swapping positions were were changing roles. The combination of, of Smith's clever movement and sharp finishing is going to be really difficult to stop. At the other end of the field I think center back Naomi Gurma is another player that that fans should keep an eye on she's super composed on the ball, has really impressive makeup speed. you know if she's asked to cover the space in behind and teams try to go long, she's got the pace to to be able to close that those kinds of threats down and she's just a smart player overall she's only got fifteen caps along with Alana Cook, who's going to be the other center back. There is a, a question about experience and you know, it's going to be a new experience for both of them because they're they're both going at their first World Cup. But I do think Naomi Gurma has really impressed me. She's going to be the the Becky Sauerbrunn replacement. I think their games are, are pretty comparable just in terms of their demeanor on the field and their steady play on the ball. I really like what I've seen from Gurma, and I, I think she's another player to watch. Tell us a little bit about Trinity Rodman. Yeah, I mean, she's got the famous name, the famous dad. Her dad was Dennis Rodman, who was a, a big star in the NBA and known for his antics off the court almost as much as his play on the court. But Trinity Rodman didn't have a whole lot of contact with her dad growing up. She was primarily raised by her mom. And she's just another impressive young that that has come through for the U.S. She brings a bit more of a physical presence, I think, than Sophia Smith. She's got a bigger frame. She's another player who can play out wide. She says she's more comfortable out there, but she can also play centrally. She really turned the send-off game against Wales around. I was at the stadium in San Jose, and that game looked like it was going to end 0-0. It just didn't look like the U.S. had any idea at all of how to to break them down. And Trinity Robin comes into the game at halftime and starts combining well with Sophia Smith and then scored Two well-taken goals, particularly the second one was a a tremendous shot. Rodman on the
0: edge of the box with a shot and a fabulous finish from Trinity Rodman,
1: who has two goals on the day. What an impact after coming on at halftime. You know, there's a lot of competition up there. I mean, you've got Morgan, you've got Sophia Smith. Megan Rapinoe is still, still in the mix, although I think she's more likely to, to have a super sub role in this tournament. But Trinity Rodman has come along at the right time and seems to be finding her form as well. And at the other end of that spectrum, and you mentioned her, Megan Rapinoe,
0: who's 38, the oldest player on the team, with this incredible resume, all the successes. I would think you would say at the last World Cup four years ago, the face of this team. Rapinoe sends it She won the Golden Boot in 2019. She was the best player in the world at the biggest tournament in the world. That's four years ago. She's 38 now. She's just recently announced that she will be retiring at the end of the club season, the NWSL season. What do you think this moment means to Megan Rapino,
1: knowing her the way that you do? This moment is really a, a final chance for her to, to burnish her legacy. She's going to go down as one of the, the most impactful U.S. women's players in, in the program's history, which is saying something because you think about some of the, the players that have come before, the Mia Hams, the Abby Wombacks, Christine Lilly. I mean, the, the list goes on. But you think about not only her play, but just what she has meant on the field, the advocacy that she has engaged in for equal pay and for really advancing the financial aspects of playing on the women's national team. Megan Rapinoe helped negotiate just a, a vastly improved economic situation. She was the face of it, and she was front and center taking some hits. Everyone remembers at the last World Cup, kind of the Twitter feed she got into with Donald Trump. I'm going to my ass. <laughs> no. Not going to the White House. Okay. That's we're not gonna be invited.
0: Now that led to Trump reacting to her comments on Twitter, and the president tweeted, in part, women's soccer player Megan Rapino just stated that she is not going to the effing
1: White House if we win. I am a big fan of the American team in women's soccer, but Megan should win first before she talks. And she doesn't shy away from any of that. No, far from it.
0: There hasn't been an invitation publicly yet. Would you Would you go, would your teammates go?
1: Um, I would not go, and every teammate that I've talked to explicitly about it would not go. I don't think anyone on the team has any interest in lending the platform that we've worked so hard to to build and um, the things that we fight for and the, the way that we live our life. I don't think that we want that to be co-opted or corrupted by this administration. I guess I just look at this tournament as a last chance to really uh, just go out on a high. She's going to be a super sub. I think Andonovsky is going to lean on her heavily in terms of leadership, especially given how many young players we've talked about are on the team. So I think it's not going to be so much on-field contributions where she she helps out. It's, It's going to be almost everything around the game. But this could very easily be the crowning achievement, not only for her, but for this generation of players.
0: Only a disaster, only a catastrophe, right, in sports terms, in soccer terms, would prevent the United States from advancing to the knockout stage, getting out of the group stage, where in addition to Vietnam, the Americans face the Portuguese and the Dutch. So so in
1: those three games, what are they trying to do? Well, I think they're trying to figure out a few things. I think there are some concerns about how they break down a, a packed in defense, which I think they're going to see against Vietnam, probably against Portugal as well. I think against the Netherlands, that game's going to be played much more on even terms. Now, granted, breaking down a packed defense is something that the best teams in the world struggle with. And this is not just a uh, a U.S. Women's National Team issue. It's a tough challenge, and so that's why I think there's a lot of hope that that Rose Lavelle is going to be healthy enough, at least by kind of the business end of the tournament, be able to 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 play and be effective. Because when she's at her best, she she's really that creative force that can come up with a, a moment of magic and, and 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 tip a game in the U.S. team's favor. I think they're also going to be looking at Julie Ertz and how healthy is she? And if she can't go, what does that mean for the holding midfielder position? It's a question of balance. Can the U.S. be effective breaking those teams down? And are they going to be stout enough defensively, especially in midfield? Crystal Dunn obviously is taking one for the team again by playing uh, the left-back position that she doesn't particularly enjoy, but where she's incredibly effective. So it's I'm not so much worried about them when I think about this US team it's really that holding midfielder position and mm. and can they break down opposition defenses and we'll know a
0: lot about this team even if these aren't the sternest of challenges all three of them that
1: is once it's over in the group stage well I think the Netherlands are going to be tough that's the game that I think is going to decide the group Vivian Medema is missing the tournaments with an injury But they still have some really decent attackers, impressive attackers. I wouldn't overlook Portugal either. They tied England recently, 0-0. I think Portugal got some some talented players. Uh, Tatiana Pinta, Jessica Silva, and I think Anika Peta is kind of a wild card for them. She gave Japan plenty of problems in in a friendly that that she played in. So, uh, you know, they could surprise teams. Jeff
0: Carlisle's not making the mistake of looking past anyone. That is very clear. And when we return, <laughs> we'll talk about the contenders from outside the U.S.'s group.
1: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't.
2: Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, wonderful pistachios has got you covered. Grab wonderful pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Jeff, for the last quarter century plus,
0: we've been talking about the greatness, the magnificence of the U.S. Women's National Team, the U.S. Women's National Program. And we've been talking about the ways in which the rest of the world has emulated the U.S., has caught up to the U.S., or more precisely, the ways they've tried to catch up to the U.S. So when you look at the landscape out there of the rest of the world,
1: what do you see? Well, I see Europe really upping its game from a, a collective standpoint. You're seeing teams like England, Spain really invest more in their leagues. Uh, I think Germany, that was always the case and, and probably explains why they were always uh, a big rival of the U.S. I mean, I think, obviously, England are are impressive. The English, they won the Euros,
0: but they've got a lot of injuries. They've got key players from that victory who will not be able to compete. So, you
1: know, where did they stand right now? I still think they can be very good. Obviously, Beth Mead, Leah Williamson, Frank Kirby, those are all huge losses. But I think what this tournament has a, the chance to showcase is just how much England's Women's Super League is at, at creating depth for the national team. Kira Walsh is, is the key midfielder, but You've got Rachel Daly, who's familiar to Houston Dash fans, as well as Alicia Russo, Bethany England. They can still do damage up top. Ella Toon is going to probably be the the Kirby replacement. And I think the England manager, Serena Wigman, has has options out wide in terms of Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hemp, Lauren James. Katie Robinson is is a young player to watch, I think. I I think out of all of those absences, Williamson is probably the the toughest to replace uh, because it, it really robs them of some experience in, in the center of defense. I think England's attack will be fine. I think it's in the back that they could face some issues. Germany, you mentioned. Sweden,
0: France. they are also teams that have a shot here. Which team is best positioned to challenge for
1: the championship? I mean, I think France There was always this sense that France wasn't achieving what they could. Obviously there was the long-time feud with Karine Diacre who, who was the manager. You know you had players earlier this year saying they weren't going to play for her, they weren't going to go to the World Cup and so the French Federation finally stepped in and and now Hervé Reynard is, is is the manager and People remember him from the Men's World Cup he made in Saudi Arabia. So now it seems like France is pulling in the same direction again. France have got have, do have some injuries like everybody else. I mean, Amandine Henri is, is going to be missing. So is Marie Antoinette Cototo. The fresh atmosphere around the team, I, I think is going to give them a boost. In terms of Germany, <laughs> if you believe that bad rehearsals lead to a good performance, then I think Germany's the pick. They haven't really looked good at all lately. They only beat Vietnam 2-1. They lost to Zambia. But they're also so talented that you figure they're going to go deep in the tournament. And Alexander Pop, they've got a goal scorer who can make up for a lot of flaws. Sweden is, is interesting because they kind of fly under the radar a little bit. But really, I thought they should have been the Olympic gold medalists. I mean, Canada did beat them in the final. But, you know, over the course of that tournament, I thought Sweden was the best team. They've got some some terrific experience. I think they're going to be a team to watch as well. Jeff, you talked about the
0: Canadians winning that Olympic gold medal a couple of years ago in Japan. But the team from north of the 49th parallel has yet to win a World Cup. So when you look at this Canadian team now, what do you see? I think
1: from a pure soccer standpoint, I mean, they have to be one of the, the contenders as well. But I think this dispute that they're having with their federation...
0: And it's the same, the, the nature of the dispute is very similar to what was going on here in the U.S.
1: It is, but the Canada Soccer Association, it's a real mess financially. And so, you know, they were supposed to have some kind of temporary bonus structure in place before they left uh, for the World Cup least the last I heard that that's still not the case and so um you know I, I just think that that is like they're carrying a a 50 pound backpack as they head into this tournament I mean I think Bev Priestman is a sharp manager I think player wise I mean obviously Christine Sinclair is a legend but you got Kadisha Buchanan Jess Fleming those are all talented players so um Canada is always a team that you have to watch out for but I think it remains to be seen whether this is going to galvanize them and and push them on or whether it's just going to weigh them down. Coming back to the American team, trying to win
0: a third consecutive World Cup in a world in which there's been so much growth in the women's game, doing it in this competitive atmosphere, doing it if they do it, coming off of their fight for equal pay with U.S. men's national team, What would be the
1: significance of a three-peat, ultimately? I think in terms of the most famous women's sports team in history, I think the only team that could touch this current edition would be the 99 team. I think, certainly, there was a pioneering spirit within that 99 group, and they definitely broke barriers in terms of the country's sporting consciousness. I think for this current group, it will cement a different kind of legacy if they win. I think the path that they've forged both as athletes as well as for equality has been incredible. And, um, you know, they're standing on on the shoulders of other famous female athletes, not just the, the 99ers, but like Billie Jean King, and who has done so much to advance the cause of women's sports. But I think this U.S. team has, has taken that level of advocacy to a new level. And... All the while, their performances have been just incredible. At at the World Cup, everybody has been gunning for them for a long time now. And uh, certainly in the last two tournaments, they just keep winning. So it'd be a photo finish, I think, in terms of the most famous women's team in sports history. It's different kind of legacies, but mm, both of them are immensely powerful as well. Jeff. Have
0: a great time down there. And thank you as always. My pleasure, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Schaap. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.